thank you, Pastor, so much for giving us the opportunity to uh, share our burden, uh, share what God has been doing in our, uh, in our life. Um, Brother Bushy, Kristen grew up here, so they had to accept me. And uh, not going to lie, I was pretty scared of Brother Tyner for a while. He still crushes my hand every once in a while. But uh, this, this church is amazing. Thank you guys so much. Again, I could reiterate everything he said. You guys have been wonderful to us. Uh, even, even though we're, you guys are ascending church, you guys still want to know about what's going on in our lives. And it's always, just, it's always fun to be here and uh, get to tell you, hey, this is what God is doing. Um, so, uh, for the last... Uh, th- uh, three years we have been on uh, deputation part-time and in August, mid-August we decided to take that step to go out uh, full-time uh, which was a scary <laughs> scary step but um, a needed one and when you take a step of faith like that um, God tends to as Miss, uh, Miss Wendy said at lunch today, he tends to slap you in the face with them faith. And uh, it's just amazing to see what God has doing, been doing. We've been gone for like the last two months. I'm sorry we missed everything. But we've been traveling the United States, everywhere from Florida, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Massachusetts, California, I mean, we really need to fire our travel agent because he's doing a terrible job. But um, I just want to share this praise. Uh, Coming back from these two months of nonstop traveling, uh, we haven't heard back from a lot of churches. But this afternoon, right after lunch, I get an email uh, that a church that we were in uh, at in, what was it, February, March, uh, decided they had their missions committee meeting and they decided to take us on. So we are like just under 20% now. So hallelujah, it's happening. It's happening. We're leaving soon. So I just wanted to share uh, what God is doing. God is also continuing to uh, fill our schedule um, if that is one point of prayer request that we would give is uh, that 2024 would be uh, pretty much full. Um, we are growing in our, in our meetings, but it's always nice to have uh, more uh, to, so that we can share our burden more. Um, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, and I'm just going to give some context before we get into the actual preaching to, uh, about this passage. In the beginning of chapter 45, the Bible says, Thus saith the, uh, the Lord to his appointed Cyrus. Now if you don't know who Cyrus is, Cyrus is the Medo-Persian ruler that came in after the Babylonians to conquer his people. 
So he talks to Cyrus saying, I'm going to raise you up for a singular purpose. You are going to conquer my people. But there's a reason why. In verse number 6 it says, That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there's none besides me. I'm the Lord. There's none else. And then God continues talking to Cyrus saying, I am God, in essence. I'm the one that does all these things. Not your gods, me. And he continues that all the way until you get to verse number 20. And that's where we're going to start reading. Verse number 20 says, Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near ye that are escaped of the nations, that have, they have no knowledge, that set up wood, and, uh, wood of their graven image, and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared it from the ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God. There is none else. Let's bow our heads in the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the message that Brother Bushy gave. And that we have a simple message. Lord, I pray that you would be with this message. Lord, remove your servant so that your word can come through. Lord, use this to work in people's hearts as you, as you have used it to work in mine. Lord, be with this. It's not me, it's you. Lord, we love you and we pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. The first thing I want to see is the call to the servants. In verse number 20 it says, Assemble yourselves. God, in essence, is changing his tone. He's, he's not talking to uh, Cyrus anymore. He's talking to his children. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near ye that are, that are escaped of the nations. He's talking to his children that are scattered abroad. Now, when I tried to do some research on this, that assemble yourselves was just, it is just that. Assemble yourselves. The way I view it is, how many of you here played uh, football? Caleb, I know you have. Alright, before you run a play, what happens? You get, get together, you huddle. Go into the huddle, you draw out a game plan, break. And then you go and do the, do the, do the play, Correct? Uh, I remember uh, growing up, uh, we'd play football. It'd just be uh, me, my brother, and th three of his friends. So it'd just be five of us playing football. Well, and uh, we'd be like, all right, using the football as a map. It's like, all right, we're here. We're gonna, you're going to go this way and cut. And then, and then, and then we go, blue, 52, blue, 52, pizza, hut, hut, hike. <laughs> and then run the play, and someone would get tackled and injured and start crying. But this is what is, in, in essence, what is happening. God is saying, assemble yourselves together. Uh, ye, you children of Israel, you people that are scattered across the nations that haven't been killed by the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And we're going to drop a game plan. 
There's a call to assemble, but there's also a call, verse number 21, to tell. It says, tell ye and bring them near. So it's not just assemble yourselves together, we're going to draw up a game plan. It is, it is now you guys, have, we've drawn up a game plan, go tell them. So we see the call of the servants. Second I want to see is the condition of the sinner. Verse number 20 says, They have no knowledge that set up wood of their graven image and pray unto God, uh, a God that cannot save. In verse number 21, it also says, Let them take counsel. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? You see, the, the condition of the sinner is they were worshiping whatever they possibly could. Isaiah 44 talks about the foolishness of worshiping wooden idols. Talking about a carpenter cutting down wood, making an image that he his, himself is going to worship, thinking that it's going to help him. See how fruitless that is? And he says to his children, hey, gather yourselves together, guess what? You're in the midst of a people that have a plethora of gods. That have a plethora of idols. They have so many idols, so many uh, false deities that they are worshipping. Deities that are made out of gold, made out of uh, wood, made out of stone. But they don't know that it is useless to worship them. May I... Uh, say this, don't the rest of the world now, today, have idols made out of wood? We call that money. Made out of rock and metal called a television or cell phone. You see, there's idols all over the place even today. People worshiping, trying to get some sort of satisfaction, trying to get uh, fill a hole that is failing. In verse 21, 21 it says, Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who? He's, 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 God is telling his people, Hey, make them curious. Let them see something totally different so that they can ask, what, what's, what's going on? Why are you so different? Why? Why are you flourishing when I'm not? What do you have that I don't, but I desperately need? You see, that is the condition of sinners. People going this way and that. Matthew would say they are fainted and scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The third thing I want to see. We've seen the call of the servants and the condition of the sinner. third thing I want to see is the character of the Savior. It says, Who hath declared it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. I love this part. Uh, in, as a senior in high school, in, for English, I had to write a research paper. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a college-level class, 
And uh, this research paper was like 50 or 75% of my grade. So I had to do really good on it, or else I failed. And uh, the, the teacher gave us some uh, papers, uh, some topics to, to do. And it was like the, uh, something like the, the, Gettys, uh, the Battle of Gettysburg and the ramifications if the South won. Or something like that. But uh, I saw that list and I said, you know what, I'm, gonna wanna, I'm at a Bible college. I'm going to do something biblical. And so I decided to go on the holiness of God applied to man. And after a day's worth of research... I realized how broad of a topic that is. And so I had to narrow it down to uh, the whole, uh, God's holiness shown through his anger. And doing that research paper, I, I read, I was reading, and the very nature of God, as a holy being means that his, his, he cannot stand sin. He cannot allow it to abide in his presence. Now you could say, well, Brother Caleb, I'm not that bad. It was, it's just a small little sin. It's not that bad. No, God doesn't want any sin in his presence. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's big sin, small sin, white sin, dark sin. It doesn't matter. He cannot let it abide. And so he is a just God. His holiness is just because it is uh, non-discriminatory. There are, if you read, uh, I, I got into like Roman uh, mythology when I was like 12 years old. And I was started reading about uh, the gods and the Roman gods and the Greek gods, and it was just a curiosity thing. And I noticed that they were kind of finicky. Like they, they, their judgment was never the same the, twice. It was always pendulum swing. It was always somewhere in this category. And so, all the gods that I read about weren't just. Because they picked and choose. The very essence of Jehovah, the very essence of God, the very nature of His being says, if you have sin, I cannot stand you. I have to destroy sin. Now, if I stopped right here, this would be a very grim outlook on God. But that's not where the verse stops. It says, He is a just God and a Savior. I think of the time that in Exodus where the Israelites murmured against God as they did many, many, many times. And finally God said, fine, I'm going to send poisonous snakes into your camp. And if you get bitten by the snakes, well, good luck. You're going to die. And then Moses entreated to God saying, please don't kill this people. They're, they're backslidden, yes, but they're still your people. So God tells Moses, alright, build a brazen serpent, put him on a stake, lift him up, and anyone who looks at this serpent will live. 
This is where we get into the fourth thing, is the complexity of salvation. Verse 22, it says, Look unto me and be saved. All the children of Israel had to do at that time was look at that brazen serpent. And they wouldn't die. One author wrote that when it comes to the area of salvation, it is simple in that it is only one thing. Look. It doesn't, it doesn't say work. It doesn't say uh, do three hamleries and pay $50,000 to the church. It doesn't say you have to be a good person your entire life. It just says, look. There's simplicity, simplicity in salvation. All you have to do is look unto God. There's focus. It is unto God. Not unto God and. Not unto God or. It is just God. You know what that means? Your works ain't going to get you to heaven. Your money isn't going to get you into heaven. There's nothing on this earth that will get you to heaven except for looking unto God. That's why God says, come. It said, look, there's simplicity, there's focus, and there's an extent. It says, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth. Which means, he didn't just say, look unto me, ye children of Israel. Look unto me, ye people that are right now. Look unto me, uh, a few people. No, he says, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth. Sometimes, we have a tendency to, to make salvation complex. With... Stuff that we think should be there. With things that are prejudice, if I, if I can say. But when we take a look at verse 22, the complexity of salvation is simple. Look. The complexity of salvation has focus unto God. The complexity of salvation has an extent all ye ends of the earth. Why? Why does God say, look unto me and be saved? Why does God say that at the very end? For I am God, there is none else. Brother Bushy, uh, in your video yesterday, you said a majority, a vast majority of the Thai people are Buddhists, correct? And in Japan, uh, a vast majority are both Shinto and Buddhist and whatever religion they decide to add along with that. And when I first heard this, uh, when I was in Japan and I first heard this, that they will accept Jesus Christ alongside Buddha, alongside Muhammad, alongside Allah, alongside name your God, I, I, I seriously stopped to wonder, Lord, how? <laughs> I'm a senior. I'm going to be a senior in college. Uh, I've been I've been trained how to lead someone to Christ using the Romans Road, the Azaris Road, the John Road, whatever road you can possibly think of. How does that fit into this? 
How does, how does the uh, Romans road fit into, we accept all gods? Lord, how? And the next day, the Lord pointed me to Isaiah 45. And when I started to read, I got to verse 6. And, he's, and it was kind of like God got a hold of me saying, stop right there. It says that they may know from the rising of the sun. Japan is known as the land of the rising sun. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I'm the Lord. There is none else. Why do we do what we do? Why is Brother Bushy going to Thailand? He grew up there, yes, but he came to the United States. Why does Brother Lancaster go around the country preaching to churches? Stirring up revival. Why am I going to a place that I don't know the language, I don't know the culture, I love the food, but that's about it. Why do I do what I do? That they may know. There's no other greater purpose in this world than that the world may know. That there's only one God. That there's only one way to heaven. Acts 2 would say, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So I just want to leave you with this thought. Why do you do what you do? Why do you go out into the world? Are you just existing? I'm saved, I'm safe, I'm in the lifeboat. And that's it? Or do you have the burden to say, I want people to know. I, I want to share this simple message. The Savior's message. Come, look, and be saved. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for giving me this opportunity. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that says, Brother Caleb, I don't know. But I want to. If there's anyone like that, uh, would you raise your hand and say, Brother Caleb, I don't know Jesus Christ. But I want to. If there's someone here that would say, Brother Caleb, I know Jesus Christ, but I don't have that burden. I don't have the burden so that others can see, but I want to. If there's someone here like that, would you raise your hand and say, I'm going to get that right with God. I, I don't want to exist. Just exist. I want the world to know. Lord, use this message to work in hearts and work in minds. Lord, help us to see the world in their condition and tell them all they have to do is look.
Lord, we love you and we pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen.